What's up, everybody? Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, Lee God, listen, welcome to chapel this morning, afternoon, one of them. Uh, man, y'all a rowdy bunch. I like y'all already. Y'all, y'all crunk? Listen, y'all are the loudest bunch. Obviously, y'all done been to class already, and you, and you got over being mad for waking up, and it's not snowing anymore. Yeah. But praise God for the snow from yesterday. So let's take a couple songs. Let's say, stand with us this morning. Come on, stand up. Roll, the, roll that beautiful beat footage. Roll that drums. Come on, y'all clap your hands like this. So just know that'll happen. Hey, are you happy to have Heavenly Voices here leading us in worship this morning? (laughs) Guys, I know that it's difficult to get out of classes sometimes and to be here and to take a a break from your, your busyness to lead us in worship. So hear us as those who are in chapel every single uh, Monday and Wednesday say thank you for being here and thank you for leading us this morning. You'll be led a little bit later as well by Heavenly Voices, but first this morning I want to guide us in a reading of a psalm and if you'll notice maybe some of you might recognize the purple color on the stage just like we had last Wednesday. We are still in the midst of our Lenten season which is journeying to the cross with Christ and so in in the midst of that there are certain passages of scripture we like to meditate on together and so this morning I hope that you'll hear this psalm in that spirit. So hear this, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. So your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I think that there are few people on this campus who can represent better shouts of joy to the Lord who can represent better for us singing with great joy and making melody to the Lord, as David tells us in this psalm. So let's continue that this morning with Heavenly Voices. Continue to lead us in worship. Let's go forward. How many of you know you're a friend of God? I like you. I'm good ball. You the ball. How many, how many friends does God have in here? Raise your hand. Man, some of y'all were slow to raise your hand. <laughs> if Jesus has any friends, I dare you to say, Woo! Woo! Okay, yeah, okay, I, clearly he got some friends. Listen, I want you to stand up, and I want you to find two people on your row and tell me you're a friend of God. Go! Go, do it, go, 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 go! See, Jesus ain't got no friends back there. Go, everybody stand, everybody stand. Okay, find two more people, go, go! Do it, do it, tell me you're a friend of God. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, clap with us. We're going to do like we're going to do like we're Now follow me. You ready? Follow my finger. We're going to go in first. <laughs> Y'all rock with us this morning.
is that even as college students, you have a mandate from God to praise and worship him. Yes. And mandate means he wants you to do it. Like you're, you have to go to class because it's mandatory. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and but some of us don't because it's a choice. And the same choice you have to go to class and the same choice you have to stay at home or sleep is the same choice God gives you to worship him. And a lot of times the reason we don't worship God is because we're uncomfortable. I see it, I see it, like we come to chapel every, every semester, and this is what I see. It sounds real good, but hmm. But what if God did that to you? What if you said, God, I need you to help me on this anatomy and physiology quiz. <laughs> and you know you didn't study, and God says, hmm. But God says, if you worship me, I'll bless you. God says, praise and worship is what you were created to do. So I challenge you, just don't come to chapel anymore and just be spectators, but be participators of chapel. I know sometimes chapel can be like, okay, man, I really don't want to go to chapel this morning, but I guarantee you, if you come in here with your hands lifted high in the, in the air and say, God, I love you and adore you no matter what's going on around me, no matter how many of my friends are looking at me crazy because you're the only one I need to please anyway. Oh, okay, I hear you. <laughs> For the next 30 seconds, if you need something from God, whether it's for him to bless your finances or him to give you strength to make it throughout the day, just lift your hands in the air, no matter who's, no matter who's looking at you. And I just want you to go ahead and just begin to love on God. For 30 seconds, everybody just lift your hands in the air and just begin to tell God how much you love him. Just begin to tell God how much you just worship and adore him and praise him. Come on, just tell him how much you love him. Just begin to say, God, I love you. God, I praise you. Come on, you guys. Come on, just lift up your voice. Come on, just open your mouth. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, I pray a blessing upon this crowd this morning, God. That everybody in here, God, will be blessed in Jesus' name. That if it's a quiz that you that need help on, if it's a test that need help on, Father God, give them the strength and the knowledge to go forth in that test and the ace it in Jesus' name, oh, God. Even though, Father God, it looks real hard right now, give them strength to get through it in Jesus' name. God said, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. God said, you have not because you asked not. And I pray this morning. And I ask God that every day that chapel will never be the same for you. God bless you guys. You can be seated, but kind of a continuing in the spirit, if you join me in being grateful to God for Jared's leadership this morning, and his spirit say, and if you, if you join me in being grateful that your fellow students would lead you in worship in this way, would you give thanks to God? And, and would you, uh, as you think about all the heavenly voices that come to you every day in the form of friends and people who love and care about you on this campus, and even in a crisp, beautiful winter morning, if you're grateful, would you just say amen? And if you know that even this day you need that, you need God to speak into your life because it's just hard being a human being, isn't it? And there's the reality of the challenges that are before you and within you. And if you know you need the grace of God this day and the voice of God this day, would you say amen? Lord, help us to hear now your voice as you speak to us. Through Christ we pray. 
Amen. In a moment, Dr. Bill Jordan is going to come. Dr. Jordan is one of our professors here who teaches engineering and has been a part of the Baylor community for a couple of years doing that, but more importantly, in so many ways, integrating the calling that God has placed upon his life to love and to serve him with his discipline. He's going to talk to you about how those things have come together in his own life and challenge you to allow that to happen in your life as you think about what it is you're able to do and to do in this world and do it in the name of Christ. Dr. Jordan will be speaking for us in just a moment, but he wanted us to hear these words first from the Gospel of Luke. So would you listen? Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men and women waiting for their master to return from a banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. He will recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night. Peter asked him, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food and allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master's taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he is not aware. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you say that with me? Thanks be to God. And would you welcome Professor Jordan to the chapel stage to speak to us this morning? Good morning. I appreciate the opportunity to come before you today and share some things that have become important in my life. I hope you enjoyed the snow and the break yesterday afternoon. I walked across campus for a meeting in the late morning during the midst of the snowstorm, and it really reminded me of my home and growing up in Colorado. I hadn't walked in the midst of a snowstorm for many, many years. So it was an enjoyable experience for me. Well, there's some things I want to share with you, and first I want to begin by telling you a little bit about who am I and why should you care about what I have to say. The first thing about my background is the fact that I'm a Christian. That's why I came to Baylor as a professor, and that's certainly why I'm speaking before you today. I did not particularly grow up in the church. We went through Sunday school and 
church to about sixth grade, but then I pretty much stopped doing that. I was interested in sciences, and I thought science showed us what we needed in life, and we didn't need God by any means. With that attitude that I went off to study engineering at the university, at that point I found out that I could get good grades, that I could get involved in campus activities, but I really wasn't enjoying life at all. And I found out, and I met some people who were Christians who said that the reason they enjoyed life is their personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that struck me as really kind of strange and something I didn't understand at all. But the fact that they enjoyed life and I didn't, I couldn't argue with. So they challenged me to read the New Testament. And as I began to do so, I found that Jesus was really a very remarkable person. But I thought that they added all this God stuff in there to make him look better than he really was. At some, for some reason, I got invited to a retreat. And I heard the first night of the retreat, the speaker talk about the existence of God as shown through the lives of the apostles how they didn't have any human motive to add stuff to the message of Jesus because they were being persecuted for it. All but one of them were killed for the faith. And I began to realize the only thing that could motivate them to risk their life to share these things is because those things were true and that Jesus was the Son of God. So that Friday night in Boulder, Colorado, I asked uh, Jesus into my life as my Savior and Lord, and things have never been the same uh, since. Another aspect of my life is the fact that I am a husband and a father. I've been married for 27 and a half years at this point. I have two adult sons. One is a chef in Ohio. The other one, if he passes his finals this week, will graduate from Louisiana Tech 10 days from today. So that's kind of some of my uh, family background. Another aspect that you've already heard about is that I'm an engineering professor. I'm in my fifth year here at Baylor University after 20 years at Louisiana Tech University. I greatly enjoy teaching engineering, doing research on engineering, and helping students to become good engineers. But there's another aspect of my life uh, that the chaplain alluded to, and that's I've had a long-time interest in the world missions of the church. While still a student, I spent one entire summer in the Philippines. I went to the Republic of Georgia in what was then the Soviet Union. Since I've come to Baylor, I've had the privilege to lead students to Kenya, to go on a student trip to Honduras in the last year, and now this next spring, to go to Rwanda as well. Another aspect of my life is that I really love to travel. I've had the privilege to go to all 50 states and a whole bunch of other countries. I've had the chance to see the sun rise over the Sea of Galilee in Israel, and I've seen the sun set over the harbor of Hong Kong. And everywhere I've gone, I've seen places where Christians could have an impact upon the world. There's another thing that makes me probably a very untypical engineering professor, is there's a very real sense in which I'm a politician as well. I've had the privilege to be a delegate at my party's national convention twice, and I've greatly enjoyed that experience. But the last thing I want to share with you about my life and why I hope I can share something with you that would be relevant is the fact that I'm old enough to have made a whole bunch of mistakes that most of you haven't gotten to yet. And I hope by some of my encouragement you could perhaps avoid some of the mistakes that I've made. But the, question, the next thing that leads to is I want to ask a question for you, and you may not have thought about this before. I'm, this shows a water pump about five miles outside of Kigali, Rwanda. I took that picture in January of 2008, and I'm asking the question, is this a Christian water pump? 
I don't know if any of you ever thought of water pumps being Christian. I don't mean that in the literal sense. The water pump's not a person, obviously. But is it a, is it a Christian water pump? And that leads to another question, and that is, was the person who designed and installed this indeed a missionary? Well, I know the person who designed and installed that. He was a retired engineering professor from North Dakota State University, and he was doing that clearly from a missions perspective of advancing the church. And so my answer to this is this is a Christian water pump, and the person who did that is indeed a missionary. There's a growing movement in the world of doing engineering as missions, kind of complementary to the business as mission movement that's been around a long time. So the face of missions is really changing in our world, and I think this is a, the photograph you see there is an example of such a change. But why would you want to do this? Why would you want to go to Rwanda? It's not on most people's list of fun tourist places to go to. That relates to this issue of calling from God. So I, there are several ways we could think about calling. When most people think about calling, they think of people who said, I've been called to be a preacher, or I've been called to be a missionary. And clearly there's probably some of you in this room either are or will be called to do either of those two things. But the vast majority of you, and as well as me, are not called to full-time ministry. And that bothered me in the sense that I felt like I was a second-class Christian frequently because I didn't feel that I had the skill set to be a professional pastor. And that's when I realized the next thing you'll see up there is that God's calling really relates to everybody and to every profession. You know, God needs Christian engineers, but God needs Christian businessmen and Christian nurses and Christian teachers and whatever other profession you might happen to be interested in. That God's called each of you to something in a profession, whether, whatever that might happen to be. So that leads to the issue of what does this thing called calling mean. I've been very impressed with a book by Oz Guinness called The Call, and the quotation up there I think exemplifies the point I'm trying to make. He says, Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion, dynamism, and direction lived out as a response to his summons and service that God's call on my life, God's call on your life, should change your life, should change your the way you do your profession. It may change your profession, but certainly the way that you do your profession, it, it will change as well. Well, Jesus had a lot to say about that, and I want to repeat the passage that uh, the chaplain read for you, at least part of it. In Luke 12, 48, Jesus said, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the ones who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The question is, what is this much more? Well, I'd like to look at some of the resources that those of you and me in this room have. One of the first resources that we clearly have is, is money. Most of you may not feel like you're rich. I don't really feel like I'm rich on a day-to-day -day basis, but all but a tiny handful of you in this room really are rich when you compare it to the rest of the world. We live in a world where there's one billion people who live on one dollar a day. There's another one billion people who live on $2 a day. This was really brought home to me in January of 2008 when I went to Rwanda, and I realized that on the 3rd of January, I had already earned more money at my profession than the average Rwandan earns in a year. And that really knowledge has haunted me ever since. This is, not, this is the tension that I hope that you feel as well as I feel. I don't really have an answer to that completely by any means, 
Uh, I admit I enjoy an upper-middle-class lifestyle, and I enjoy our home in the suburbs, but I'm still haunted by what I see in Rwanda and other places like that. We all in this room, for the most part, have much more resources than that, and we have the ability to use that if we choose to. Another resource I would suggest we have is the area of talents. <coughs> Everybody in this room is extraordinarily talented in some way. All of you have been given gifts by God of an intellectual sense greater than the average person in your uh, high school because the average person in your high school couldn't get into Baylor University. So you all have some remarkable gifts, and it's a question of what do you choose to use those gifts for. It may be full-time service. For most of you, it won't be. But it will be a chance to use that in a way that can make a difference. So that leads to the last question I really want to give you. Is I so, There's a photograph of some people there, and I say, who are these people? Some of them are probably known to some of you. They are seven engineering students who went with me to Rwanda last May. That picture is taken at the top of Mount Virunga. The hills in the background you see are in the country of Uganda. These students really answered three separate calls from God. They answered the call that God gives to everybody in this room to become a Christian. They answered the call of God to themselves specifically to become an engineer. And then they answered the call of God to use their engineering skills in this context to help poor people in Rwanda. And I would suggest as my final conclusion to you that God has a, that same three-part call for everybody in this room. God called all of us to himself first to become Christians. Secondly, God has called everyone here to a particular profession. You may not know what it is yet. I didn't become a professor until I'm 34 years old, so you may not know it for a while. But even if you know what your profession is going to be, I think God's going to give you a specific call. How do you use that profession in a way that would be befitting your role as a Christian professional of some type? So this is really what I wanted to share with you about how God has called me to use engineering skills as a professor here at Baylor, but also in the developing world and encourage you to consider God's call on your life in a professional sense. So at this point, I would like to close our chapel today with a benediction. So if you could all rise, I will close us in prayer, and then you'll be free to go. Lord, I thank you for this time we've had to worship. I thank you for the Heavenly Voices Choir that's got us started, and I thank you for the chance you gave me to share some of the things that are I've been thinking about as well. And we ask that you'd use all of these things to challenge each of us in this room to live a life more consistently for you. We just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.